Global supply chain and logistics industry leaders gather, connect, and exchange ideas at IHS Market's annual TPM conference organized by the JOC. In our new podcast series, Beyond TPM, we keep those conversations going, taking a deep dive into critical, rapidly evolving topics and the insights uncovered this year at TPM 21. I'm Alessandra Barrett, the JOC's Senior Editor for Special Projects. Today I'm speaking with Mason George, President of National Accounts at IMC Companies. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. So to start, I'd just like to give the audience a sense of where IMC Companies fits into the overall landscape. Can you give an overview of the role that Drayage and IMC plays in the supply chain industry? Yeah, absolutely. We are the largest marine drayage company in the United States. That's our focus day in and day out. And what we try to do is meet customers' expectations while we dray containers in all of our 40 different locations with now 25, 2,600 drivers uh, nationwide and fill the, the last delivery point for our customers, as well as, uh, I guess, the first pickup point for our export customers. The year has driven volumes up in unpredictable ways. I'm wondering how that translates into the driver's day-to-day. What are you seeing as the real-world impact for your employees and your business community? Wow. Um, Can't agree more. Everyone was forecasting a driver shortage, and Although we were starting to see the beginning impacts of this in 2019 and in arguably early parts of 2020 as well, I don't believe that anybody forecasted that we would be in the driver shortage situation that we're in today. And a lot of that is, is obviously the growth in consumer spending, which drives the growth in imports and container numbers that are just pounding the ports every day. And Really what this translates to us is, is that every driver is absolutely precious in our entire organization. Anybody that we work with that um, brings capacity and power to us and our customers is just absolutely vital at this point because any wasted hour is something that we could be putting towards productivity for our customers as well as our drivers. And, and, and right now they're the absolute life force of what we're doing. So. Um, it feels like what I would say is, you know, 2020 just escalated this driver shortage in ways that we really weren't prepared for in, throughout the entire country, right? So um, we are focusing 100% of our efforts on how we get the most out of our driver's day every day. And that's a conversation that we have daily, as well as um, just internally from a software standpoint, but also uh, with our own drivers and, and how we can make their lives better and, and do things better for them so we can get the most out of that asset. And it is an absolute um, precious opportunity for us to try to figure out how we can capitalize on that for our customers in the best way possible. As far as improving efficiency and making the day easier for the individual driver, currently, what would you call the number one issue that needs to be addressed? Well, I would say 
we spend a great deal of time as an organization chasing these phantom moves. And, and I'll give you an example, right? Chassis are, are, are one of those that is just incredibly arduous. When we have a driver that's delivering an import and he is now at a delivery FC and he grabs an empty from that delivery DC and heads back to a terminal or a depot to turn the empty in, what happens in most cases is now um, we have to split that chassis and container, which means we separate the container from the chassis. And now we need to turn that chassis back in so we can get the next import, right? Well, the issue with that is, is that in many cases that if we have a driver in an available chassis, the rules and box rules that we're dealing with today dictate and mandate that we must turn that chassis in at a certain location that might not be the most conducive or efficient way to use those set of wheels. And now we turn that empty set of chat, the empty chassis in, and then we got to go get another empty chassis just to satisfy back box rules again. So it seems like we're doing a lot of these uh, chassis chasing or phantom chassis moves to satisfy equipment owners when we could be putting our drivers to work with that same chassis, picking up the most optimal box at the time, right? So we estimate throughout our network that, that is hurting our capacity anywhere from 25 to 35% on a given basis, depending on how bad the chassis situation is. What about technology to mitigate these delays? Are you using third-party solutions or any internal programs and processes that uh, you'd highlight? Yeah, absolutely. We've got our own internal operating system that we started in the early 90s. And the great thing about that is that it's been highly customized over the years to respond to the changes in the marketplace. So to the question that, you know, or that was before this one, what do we do to mitigate some of these inefficiencies? We have suggested moves inside of our dispatch optimizer that have these algorithms that say, okay, this is your driver, this is his GPS with his mobile communications, what is the best next move for this driver? And that can be driven by customer, it can be driven by what equipment he has currently, and it suggests to our planners what to do on the next transaction. And that's a great deal for us. Um, obviously, it, it helps keep that driver driving and optimize his pay as well as for the customer you know they don't want to hear that we're bobtailing all over the, the city whatever market that is to try to service their loads they want to know that we're being as productive as we can because the demand is so high right now but how does that balance with the phantom moves or or is it not quite solving it um right is there still a big gap like this is as much as we can currently do but our hands are kind of tied Exactly. So the way that we have the optimizer programmed and running today is that we have to put these additional moves or these phantom moves into the system to make sure that um, we're, be, we're, we're applying these box rules. So I, I give you an example. In Memphis, Tennessee, where one of our largest markets are, we can, we'll take an empty into an equipment depot and our driver is exiting a depot, has his empty split from his chassis. And instead of doing the most optimal move based on his GPS and um, what we have available in our dispatch board, 
he's got to go turn that chassis in potentially all the way in Marion, Arkansas, which is 40, 40 miles away, then come back to the same uh, location area in the Hickory Hill Industrial Park in Memphis, Tennessee, to grab a different chassis to get his next load. So theoretically, he just drove 80 miles to terminate one chassis across the river in another state, then come back to Memphis, Tennessee to grab what really appears to be the same pieces of equipment, right? So what would be great is that if we let our optimizer run without these rules, without these box rules, and we could truly enhance the driver's day and productivity to be delivering more loads, turning more empties in, and uh, not having these somewhat phantom moves that are really just cost centers for us. Um, and, and, and how we, we trans, we tra we're lucky to make, um, you know, uh, uh, break even on many of these uh, chassis moves that we're doing for the steamship lines, as well as the chassis providers in the marketplace. So um, at the end of the day, that's, that's a huge win for us if we could get rid of the box rules and have true chassis choice so we can get more volume through the system as well as enhance our driver's lives. What are your thoughts on peel-off yards like at the Port of LA? Is the benefit all that's promised? Do they help enough? Yeah, you're, you're speaking my love language here. Um, peel-off piles are fantastic. Um, LA is where we're seeing the biggest gain from a production standpoint with our drivers. And, and I'll give you an example, right? A peel pile is just a group of containers that are stacked on a terminal yard where we might not know what order they're coming out, but we know what containers are inside that peel. So we'll send a group of drivers into the terminal to work those piles. And as those drivers are loaded, we're communicating with them via our mobile technology to give them instructions on where to go from there. And what's just absolutely beautiful about this, it's just an orchestrated event between our drivers, the terminal, as well as our dispatchers and planners and potentially even some steamship lines and customers that become involved. But when we combine these peel piles, drivers understand that, hey, look, you know, you have a, a, a vast option of where you could be going. You could be going, you know, all um, to one location or several different points inside, you know, the, the, the terminal area here. But at the end of the day, it's driving efficiencies with our trucks because we're not waiting in line for the terminal to dig out three containers at the bottom of the pile when we would have been just as happy with the three containers at the top of the pile. So instead of doing multi-lifts, on site with the terminals, we're doing one for one each time. And it's really saving a lot of time with our drivers. When we have peel piles at the um, LA area, it, it is night and day difference in terms of how many production moves we can get out of our driver each and every day. You really go from being able to do, you know, two local Long Beach moves on appointment system based freight to doing maybe four um, and in some cases, if you have a really great day and things are running great, you could potentially even do five with one driver per day. So um, talking about an efficiency that just gets me charged up is how can we continue to utilize that fuel pile program um, 
really to, to the fullest extent here. Any negatives? Any aspects of how they're used that could be improved upon uh, other than a more widespread use? Well, you know, to answer your question earlier, the, you know, it, it's, <laughs> I just want more of it. We don't get to do it as much as I'd like to. So right now we're probably doing maybe 50 to 60% of our total volume on field piles. And I just want more, you know, I, I, I hopefully one day can envision that we have enough density in select terminals to where a hundred percent of our cargo is coming in via peel pile because the average turn time for us on a peel pile container and um, talking about in and out with a driver, you're talking, it's about an hour, maybe hour and a half. And for a um, container life cycle, if you think about when a container has been discharged from the vessel and then loaded onto the dockside terminal, we're able to get those containers out in an average of about two days. So um, it is just one of the efficiencies that I think is just not used enough. And, and having 100% of my containers in a peel pile would be absolutely a dream. And uh, that's what we're working towards, having that density and working with customers who can do this. And um, I, I'll be honest with you, I think it's, it's definitely where we're putting a lot of our cards in our long-term vision of how we're going to work with not just the LA terminals who are pretty open to it for the most part, as well as the New Jersey and um, New York ports. But we're really trying to figure out how we can do this on inland terminals with railroads in places like Chicago and Memphis and, and Kansas City, um, as well as other locations as well as those things. And those IPI points continue to get more congested. I think this is the absolute lifeline that could help these railroads get more throughput through their facility in, in a quick way. Let's talk about rail for a minute. What challenges are you facing when we move the conversation inland? I would say that what's more difficult with inland moves is definitely the chassis. That's more prevalent in the interior of the United States and on the port complexes. And I'll, I'll tell you, uh, the, the railroads that we deal with today are not really geared for this live lifting methodology. And, I, and I'll give you an example. So when you have a truck that goes into Chicago, Illinois, or the Elwood facilities, and um, historically the driver was waiting for a box that was mounted to a chassis that he could drop his whole setup, pick up his next setup and pull out. Well, due to the just absolute land constraints and some of the infrastructure that is not in place to continue to have these unending multi, you know, complex uh, facilities that could house these thousands and thousands of mounted units, you got to start going to the ground. And the current environment that we have with the railroads is just not necessarily conducive for that. Um, there's not enough labor plan. There's not enough cranes on site. Um, sometimes the widespread cranes are not the best ones to be working and sifting through all this volume. So it's, it's a significant challenge as the railroads continue to grow their IPI share. We have to figure out how we can more efficiently evacuate that cargo out of those inland points and get it on the road sooner. And, and if you think, if you talk to the railroads, they're, they're also aligned. They understand that we got to figure out how to get a container off of a rail car and out of our facility as quickly as possible. So they're measuring that. And 
I, I believe that, you know, with time, we're going to figure out how to really, truly optimize this in a better way for the drivers and, and the whole international community. The, the railroads are focused on throughput through their facilities, and they're tightly measuring how long a container goes from rail car to outgating their facility. And they understand that that's important to the community and as well as their capacity on how many containers that they can move through their facility. So just giving you an example that, you know, if railroad XYZ is delivering on a normal basis, you know, 250 containers on each train, the longer those 250 containers sit in a spot that they don't have room to unload a rail car, that limits their capacity. So their goal would be to, how can I quickly get these 250 containers from rail car all the way out of their facility in a quick manner? And they're tracking that. And I, I do believe that, that one day they're going to be able to find a truly optimal situation that helps the drivers as well as the international community to get their containers off the rail and get their product to those DCs sooner. So what's the next step for us to get there? There's a lot of technology that is promising. It hasn't really trickled down to um, actual applications and uses. But what I see one day is us being able to talk to the railroad in such a way that optimizes those drivers' experience inside the rail with technology and your question regarding how can what's what's new and and, and how can we leverage this to enhance the throughput of the railroads and our efficiencies with our drivers, what I would say is that it's more real-time communication about what boxes are ours and, and available that we can work in tighter orchestrated events with all railroads that, that we can optimize getting containers out of the facility. Looking at how the challenges that affect drivers impact capacity, could you touch on any other areas where you think people need to understand more the trickle-down impact of the various aspects of the driver experience, good and bad? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I feel like there's been a, a really welcome change in a lot of our customers and just the, the shipping community in general folks are understanding how valuable drivers are. So local delivery centers and um, just, I'm sorry, distribution centers are low. So local distribution centers are spending a lot of time and resources on trying to make the driver experience better. And I mean, this is not complicated stuff. It's, hey, driver is coming inbound. He might only have a few more hours in his day. He can't be held up in a line just to get checked in to drop his container and grab his box on the way out. So understanding the he's got limited resources and limited time that he can deal with, it's truly vital that we get our customers trying to work with our drivers and planners to optimize their experience at a distribution center. And I mean, that's easy stuff, right? Don't don't have the long line. Don't have you know. Give give him a bathroom if he needs a bathroom, so he doesn't have to make another stop as he leaves your facility. He can do it all one inside or one continuous move. Um, and as well as you know, take care of the equipment that's on site. So if you have outside hostlers that are moving containers in and around your facility, if those guys aren't taking care of the equipment and the driver has to deal with a mechanical issue on site, that's a huge problem. So making those guys 
efficient from the distribution center level is also something that I think has been a, uh, a pretty welcome change. And we talk about customers who were wanting to be a, a true shipper of choice. And that definitely weighs in because the if you think about what a planner and a dispatcher has to do every day, he's covering all the loads. And I guarantee you that there are loads that are delivering to distribution centers that drivers don't want to go to based on how they're treated or um, what the traffic manager is going to do to them when they get there, or if they have to move a bunch of trailers to get to the one that he needs to get to. Uh, there's a lot that goes into that. So the more driver focused and driver friendly a distribution center can get, the better it is for um, the whole community is what I would tell you. I couldn't agree more. Here's to the next generation of Malcolm McLean's. Great speaking with you, Mason. Thanks again. Absolutely. Beyond TPM is a production of the JOC, part of the Maritime and Trade Division of IHS Market. For more news, analysis, and business intelligence for all things shipping and logistics, visit JOC.com and follow us on social media.